Thanks for listening to Marketing B2B Tech, the podcast from Napier where you can find out what really works in B2B marketing today. Welcome to Marketing B2B Technology, the podcast from Napier. Today, I'm joined by Rena Fallstrom. Rena is the VP of Communications at Pure Storage. Welcome to the podcast, Rena. Thank you, Mike. Great to see you again. It's, it's good to see you. I mean, we met fairly recently in the States, which was really nice. You know, just to kick off, I'm always interested with people in, in how they got to their position. You know, you're running global communications at, at Pure Storage. Can you give us a, a bit of a background as to how your career got to this point? Absolutely. Um, you know, I will say my entire career has been in the data storage industry. And, um, you know, it may seem to the unassuming eye that, oh, it's just the data storage industry. I absolutely love it. I've been doing it since I graduated from college, which I won't say the number of years, but it is definitely well into the double digits. And I, I absolutely love it. I, I love it. And that's how I got, I got into it. I went to a, an engineering-led school down in the Southern California area. And I have just hit that. I've been bitten by that bug and I've just continued to work in, in tech and in, in storage my entire career. And I absolutely love it. I mean, that's really good to hear. So you started off in PR, is that right? And then moved to analyst relations. I mean, talk me through a little bit about, you know, some of those career decisions that, that took you through those different roles. Well, my end goal was to get to a broad communications function, eventually running this function. Um, you know, with the rise of titles like chief communications officer, I, I knew that I needed to get every single tool in my toolbox in the area of comms. So I guess I did start off in PR and I did that for many years, very much enjoyed it. And then I thought I've got to take a chance at doing analyst relations, which I absolutely adore and love. I love working with the industry analyst community for many reasons. And then said, okay, what else do I need to do in this area to try to be proficient and learn? in order to feel like I could step into the broader communications role. And was there a particular area you, you enjoyed more or, you know, is it just building that breadth of experience has been fun all the way through? Oh, fun all the way through, Mike. I mean, I, I can't choose a favorite child. I love all aspects of communications. And it's ironic because, well, yes, there are disciplines like PR and AR and exec comms and whatever other different comms, internal comms. The one prevailing thing is that you're communicating to an audience, no matter whether it's an internal audience or an external audience. And I enjoy that craft quite a bit of just creating and crafting great communications tailored to whatever audience you're speaking to. So can't choose a favorite child, Mike. I'm sorry. I love that enthusiasm. That, that's awesome. I, I mean, let's talk a little bit about, about the company, Pure Storage, because you know, a few years ago, Pure Storage was an absolute leader in terms of the the all flash storage. So, I, if people are listening to this, this is um, you know large storage boxes that are basically storing everything in flash. So, so it's super fast rather than using hard drives. You know, so at one point you were almost trying to define a category, and now it's an area where there's a lot of competition. You know, it feels like almost everybody's got a solution. So, I'm really interested to know how things have changed for you. How how you know communicating the audience has had to change as the markets change so dramatically? Absolutely. Great question. I, you know, it's very interesting. Our founder, John Colgrove, also known, lovingly known as Cause, he is still with his company. It's been, what, we're coming on 14 years since the start of the company. And you're right. In the very beginning, it was, we were swimming upstream. It was not trending. It was completely going against the grain of people are like, oh, you are not, the whole entire data center, people are not going to move to all flash. It's just not going to happen. As you mentioned, 
you know, hard disk drives will still have stronghold. And, you know, through the years, we've really proven that, that no, it is, we are going to be moving to an all flash data center. And the things that Peer is doing is getting us there a bit sooner based on some of the secret sauce that we have around engineering, software, hardware engineering. But you're right, it is, it is growing more in a mainstream nature, right? Like before where there were a lot of skeptics, a lot of competitors that were skeptical, potentially, you know, some end users that were a little bit hesitant. That now has changed and it, it is the realization of it is happening. So absolutely, we are having to very much change the way we do communications and marketing overall to move with the trends in the market and the adoption curve for sure. I still believe, and perhaps I'm slightly biased, but I still do believe that we do have a huge differentiation in the space because we, we believed it. We put down that flag of the All Flash Data Center, the vision that our founder had some 14 years ago, and it's coming to fruition. So he was able to get ahead of a lot of things and foreshadow a lot of things that I think is still giving us a huge amount of differentiation. So it's interesting. So you're still carrying that brand equity you built by, by pioneering the space e even now. That, I think that's really positive. That must really help you in terms of your, your communications. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think any, if for any communications professional, you're looking for the thing that differentiates you in the market, the thing that makes you special, the things that separate you from the pack. I think that's what every communications professional reaches for. And the more you have, the better, the better off, the easier, I'll say, the easier your job. <laughs> no, I, I love that. I, I mean, I'm interested as well in terms of that differentiation. Do you find it as easy to, to sell those differentiation points through to analysts as you do when you're talking to your audience? Because, you know, so I think sometimes people have the perception that, that analysts are almost like these, these scientific robots that, that don't take notice of anyone who's pitching them. But do you find you can still get uh, credibility because of the history? Absolutely. I, I love the analyst community. I love them the most because I believe that they have, number one, a great pulse on the market. They are talking to end users. So they are hearing it directly from end users. They synthesize it and then they're able to provide great feedback. I think that um, the key, one of the key pieces of analyst relations is, yes, constant communication with them. The more you tell them, the more you keep them abreast and in the loop of what you're doing, the absolutely the better off you are because open lines of communication are really important with the analyst community. And yes, I absolutely do try to put our best foot forward with the analysts. But I also, my team and I also work on ensuring that, you know, when we are hitting a roadblock or we need their advice on something, early stages of development or early stages of messaging, we go to them, hey, would love your opinion on this. Still not baked, still in its infancy, but would love your opinion on this. I think they, I hope that they value it. I, I think that's really interesting. You know, you're not seeing analysts merely as someone to pitch to, you're seeing them as a resource as well, which is, is wow. fantastic. You, you hit the nail on the head. A lot of companies sometimes just think that, oh, it must be perfect. Messaging must be finalized. It must be wrapped up the big red bow in order to bring it to the analyst. In fact, the contrary. It is great to bring unfinalized messaging to the analyst because they can help shape it for you because they have such a wonderful pulse on the end user community and they are they can bring that into to it and help you out a bit more you know versus just the internal position that you have i think that's great i mean one thing i'm, I'm interested about you know, you're talking about learning about your end user community and, and basically you know what your audience wants to hear clearly analysts is one one route you've, you've really developed well 
Are there other ways that you're really understanding what the customer wants um, to optimize those communications and make the messaging right? Absolutely. My team, the communications team, takes advantage of a lot of resources that the company has. Peer has a great way of tapping into the customer mindset, whether it be communities or little forums where we invite certain customers in to get their feedback. That is gold for us. So us and the comms team, we try to wedge our way into those conversations or at least get the notes so that we can figure out, okay, where is the pulse of the customer? We're getting direct feedback from them. That is just gold for us. And so we mind that for sure. And then the other thing that you and I had chatted about when we had met in person is let's make sure that we are going to their watering holes. So understand what their hopes and dreams are, their fears through these communities, through these forums that we have. And then let's make sure as a comms team that we are going to where they're going, where are their eyeballs going? Let's be there. Let's be there. Let's make sure that peer is positioned where they're reading, where they're going to their sources of information. So try to do a bit of both. Can't say it's always easy, but it is what we strive for. Oh, I love that. I, I feel I need to, to ask an audience question is a little bit cheeky. I mean, certainly in Europe, American companies have a bit of a reputation of being a little bit insular and focusing a lot on the states. You're, your responsibility is global. So I'm interested to know how you make sure that Pure pays the right level of attention to each region in the world. That's a, that's a good question. I have to say, I, you know, as you speak, I'm looking up at my home monitor and I have a, uh, a little post-it that says, Think International. I have an amazing team that is dispersed within the UK, uh, Singapore and India, and they cover everything outside of the US and they keep me on my toes. But I always look at this post and say, okay, let's make sure that we're not looking at everything in such a U.S. myopic view. You know, we have amazing customers in Latin America, in EMEA, in APJ, around the world. And are we making sure that we're tailoring those messages for those audiences? And also the other thing that people don't look into, Mike, is the adoption curve. So for potentially in the U.S., you may see bleeding edge adoption of technology like Flash. And then you go further out into Europe and Asia, and perhaps they're not there yet. Some are, but perhaps some are not. And so you can't provide messages into the market that are so far advanced that they haven't even thought about it. So let's make sure that we localize it, that we translate it, and that we're putting out the right messages. You know, I think every, every company struggles with it, but I have an amazing team and this post-it to, to remind me <laughs> to continue to do that. It's the secret to successful international marketing, clearly, as a poster. <laughs> yes. It all, it all lies in that secret. No, I, I love that. And I think you're right that um, sometimes it's, it's not about focus and, and how much you put in. It may, might be about timing. And, and I think, yeah, I don't know what you, you believe, but it seems to be that there's a bit of culture, particularly in Europe, in terms of a reluctance to adopt the bleeding edge and maybe go for something that feels safer. Do you think that's true? I, I do. I do. I think, I think every, every, you know, industry is different and every, every organization is different as well. But I also think it has to do with it, the industry that they're in. And if their headquarters are in the U.S. and if they're not, you know, where do they go in terms of the adoption? It's hard for me to generalize because I've seen, I, as I, as soon as I start to generalize something, I'm proven wrong by some customer I meet. And I say, oh, okay, no, nope. you are the exact opposite of what I thought. So hard to generalize, but um, I, I just want to be aware that certainly there can be slower adoption of bleeding edge technology. And then how do we speak to those audiences, where meet them where they're at? 
Uh, makes sense. I, also talking about the audiences, I mean, I, I, I'm interested, you know, when someone's buying and, and investing in, in a, a flash strategy, I mean, certainly, you know, a few years ago, didn't that require a lot of buy-in from people who were maybe not the decision makers, but influencers is a big part of your your job reaching people who might influence the decision, but maybe are not the, the technical decision maker. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And when you say influencer, Mike, do you mean internal influencer or external influencer? Because I believe that matters too. I, I think there's both. I mean, typically, you know, a lot of tech companies, if I'm to be honest, I see them focusing on the technical decision maker internally and missing those internal influences. They might focus on, you know, perhaps some external influence like analysts. Um, but but I think that it's that internal influencer that, that actually is quite hard to communicate with because you've got a complex product and you're talking to someone who's not an expert in that sector. I, I'm interested to know how you approach it. Absolutely. Yeah, actually, that very good. I um, I will say that there are absolute influencers within organizations, and a lot of the times they are line of business owners who are more empowered now, or even you know, if I may get down into the weeds a bit, the DevOps community within the DevOps persona within an organization. You're right. There are decision makers, and there are those who are implementers, but they do draw from line of business or a DevOps focused person who is adjacent to their business. And we try to reach them in the same way that we reach our traditional audiences as well, because we know that they are part of the decision-making process. We definitely take into account how we communicate and how we market to those audiences within a particular organization. And do you have to run completely separate campaigns or do you find that some of the campaigns can stretch across both the technical expert and also somebody who's you know, perhaps more on the financial side? I think both. I think both. When you're looking at a DevOps audience, they do not use typically traditional sources of information. They don't consume, you know, they may or may not speak to industry analysts, but they certainly rely on peer-to-peer, for example. They are Mm -hmm. big into peer-to-peer. And so if they're they're in the peer-to-peer, how do we go to the places where we create peer-to-peer forums for them? Right. We don't we don't interject, we but we just create the forum so they can go talk to their peers. So that's a way that we reach, for example, the the DevOps community, the developer community is creating peer-to-peer environments for them. That's fascinating. I mean, it brings me on to, to the next thing I'm thinking about. You know, you've got these different audiences, you've you've got some very different ways of of, of communicating. I, I mean, how do you measure success of your campaigns? I mean, how do you look at something and say, yes, we know it's been successful or we think we can improve it? It's a great question. In communications in particular, there has always been an an age-old debate about quantitative versus qualitative measurement. We know, those that are communications professionals out there know that oftentimes the qualitative metrics sometimes are even more revealing and more important than the qualitative metrics. However, to anyone outside of communications, and everyone is in, in a, a, they are so bent on needing quantitative measures and quantitative results. They want hard numbers. They want to see the numbers. And so um, it's really important as a communications professional to balance quantitative and qualitative measures together. It can work harmoniously. And so ensuring that you've got measurement that is based on hard data and some numbers, but then also, especially with the analyst community, as we spoke about earlier, sometimes the measurement for them is just, okay, the tonality, it's positive, but it's anecdotal. It's because you were in an analyst meeting and they said something positive. You can checkbox that as 
a measurement too, because you don't always get an actual piece of collateral or something written where they say it's positive. It's just anecdotal. You know, going back to finding a balance between quantitative and qualitative measurement for comms, I think is important to satisfy every audience. And then you can go back and see, okay, have we reached them? Have we reached these personas that we're trying to go after? And then kind of back into that from there. And I'm interesting, how do you take that, that kind of mix of, of data and a, opinion? And, and how do you sell that up to the board? I mean, is there a way that, that you can package that up to, to explain to the board how you've made a difference to the business? Absolutely. And communicate it far and wide, Mike, absolutely. But I have found the best rule of thumb is make metrics, no matter qualitative or quantitative, simple to understand. If you have to explain a measurement in detail and it takes you more than a sentence to do so, you've lost your audience completely because it's too convoluted. It's too difficult to understand. So keep the measurement as simple as possible. Uh, numbers driven if you need to. Uh, sprinkle in some qualitative measurement, but make sure the measurement is clean and simple to digest because everybody, you know, in a busy world that we're all in, people glance quickly and they look at numbers. They just quickly glance through it. And so keep it very, very simple. I love that. I think that, that's, that's great. You know, really good advice. Simple is, is always the best. You know, one of the things that, you know, we're interested in is, is um, we're, we're obviously trying to recruit young people into the industry. I'm sure you are in, in pure storage. Uh, you know, what are you looking to do to encourage people in? And what advice would you give to a young person who is considering a career in communications? We, um, as a company as a whole, we are hugely into university recruitment, early in career recruitment. We've had programs where we've, you know, I think every company has brought in interns, but we also had an additional program in addition to just internships is uh, early in career. We've hired folks and bring people on board who are early in their career. Um, and so we've done a lot of that as a company. I'm super proud of that in terms of Pure's ability to do so, especially when we're coming up against some other larger vendors that may appear more enticing to those that are in universities. I will say my one piece of advice, perhaps one and a half, two pieces of advice for anyone trying to get into communications, it, it sounds very mundane, but read, read a lot. And not just read a lot, but make sure that you are, you know what you like when you read. What I mean by that is the more you read, the more you form an opinion, the more you like certain writing and certain styles of writing or what you're willing to absorb. You and I both know, Mike, there is a barrage of information coming at us from many different facets, many different channels. And so read a lot and be super discerning about what you like to read, the style of the communication, the, the vehicles that you like, because the more you can decide who you are and what you like to read and what you don't like to read is going to help you in your communications career. The other bit of advice I would give is, and this is for anyone actually in any field, engineering, other parts of marketing, finance, HR, it is things are more subjective than you think. We are, I know we're in a business of technology, we are, but we're also in a business of people and understanding people's motivations, what drives them, what they like, what they don't like. Is, is really important because sometimes decision-making comes down to people, not necessarily the thing itself that you're trying to solve for. I think that's great advice. That's amazing. You know, I really appreciate your time. I know you're incredibly busy. So 
to finish off, if people are interested in finding out more or even working at Pure Storage, which I would say would be a great choice, how could they contact you? Yes, definitely. I am reachable in all of the different ways that everyone is certainly can imagine. You can always email me. I am a one who curates her email very closely and I read every single email, you know, certainly through our social channels. We do, we're very proud of our social channels, you know, and we have a, as you mentioned, a very robust careers page and they can reach out that way too. I also try as much as I can to contribute to the Forbes Communications Council and write as often as I can. And if that helps anyone who's trying to get into the comms profession, I try to write frequently on different comms topics that I feel are super relevant out there. So, I think it's amazing. I've, I've certainly seen a lot of your Forbes Council content in your LinkedIn feed. So uh, yeah, I love that. That's great. Rena, it, it's been a real pleasure. I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Thank you very much for being a guest. Thank you so much, Mike. Great to see you again. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Marketing B2B Tech. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, please make sure you subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast application. If you'd like to know more, please visit our website at napierb2b.com or contact me directly on LinkedIn.